myth is a word that means something more than story. And I wonder what qualifies a story to be a myth from your point of view. You know, I've heard the separation between myth and story and sometimes also, you know, folklore or like a folktale um, be separated by the idea that the myth usually involves the gods in some way mm-hmm. and as such is related to divinity or, you know, also God. So a myth is something that kind of explicitly relates to the gods, but kind of like folklore and like other types of stories. It is also rich with cultural insight, specific to its time, to its cultural place, to what informed it. But yeah, so I think myth connects us to the divine in some way. And that is um, often how I find myself relating to it. What does it have to do with human transmission? Is, 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 that, is that an essential factor, like from pe- mouth or oral tradition or something like that? Yeah, and I think we've kind of lost sight of the oral, the oral tradition um, or the oracular tradition of mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, often when you just evoke that term, it's like a very particular idea is going to come to everyone's mind. And often it's in kind of a Greco-Roman context mm-hmm. and in the context of, you know, great works that have been left over in our like literature about mythology. But what I think we've lost a bit is the oral tradition and the exchange of myth is something that doesn't need to be objective. It can just be shared Mm. and of the moment. Are those, how are those things connected for you? The, the, the orality of the transmission and the divinity of the contents being transmitted? Well, it's a bit disjointed. We're all living in the modern age and I haven't come into mythology in a way that was in community with oral tradition. Um, I feel like I found that myself in many different ways and by different avenues when I came into adulthood, but it wasn't a part of my uh, childhood in an an explicit way. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, the connection between those is a little bit tenuous. It's kind of like poetry, Mm. where poetry often is something that is also oracular and spoken and kind of comes to life in the moment. But now we're a little separated from, you know, the tradition Mm -hmm. in some way. So, so, so did the divinity come first for you? Was that, was that what you were picking up when this, when, when these myths became of interest to you? Absolutely. I was like, curiously not a mythology kid. Everyone always asked me that. They're like, oh, were you one of those like nerdy kids in, you know, middle school or high school who are like really into the Greek gods or something? And kind of comically, no, like I really wasn't interested. It didn't pique me. Mm -hmm. But what did happen is I had a dream that was so potent and so symbolically intense that it led me down these rabbit holes. And then I realized that I was kind of if not consciously aware of a myth, I was dreaming it and living it in some other way. Mm. Okay. So now that starts to feel very different from a story because it almost has like an archeological, like a discovery of a form that was there underneath something. And then, so then is what happened then you started reading and, and the, the, the mythology sort of layered itself on top of whatever that was. And Yeah, absolutely. And then you get those kind of, you know, chills moments where you weren't consciously aware of something, but you're clearly unconsciously aware of something Mm -hmm. because it's been shared for who knows how long. 
and tied to so many different cultural traditions Mm -hmm. that, yeah. So while I think there is that distinction that myth involves something of the divine, that's not explicitly about God forms to me as much as it's about this kind of like tactile interface with something else. Does that say something about what you do with this now? Like, is that, is, is it, is it a, is it an interface uh, project for you to, to explore (laughs) these things? Kind of. Yeah. And I think astrology does this too. It's like when we look at someone's natal chart, we have a pretty easy way to tap into the moment of a myth in some way Um, or many myths. I, they're kind of a, a tapestry in all of our nativities. So yeah, it's like you can go into that. You can kind of tap into that experience and uh, bring it to life in the moment. Something that's also very old and maybe also very new. When you say that they're in every nativity or in everybody's life or something like that, like what what is what is the relationship between the individual life and the mythological arc that gives Ooh. rise to that? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I'm not really sure, Um, (laughs) to be totally honest. I feel like often we play these things out without full awareness of them. And sometimes when we become aware, it's a double-edged sword. It's like, how do you proceed from that point? Uh, Do you submit to being uh, kind of in the throes of this unfolding mythology as you think it might unfold? Or do you have some agency to alter course Mm. or to transmute that storyline? And so to me, I think becoming aware of these symbols as they play out in the chart kind of through the divine, uh, we are kind of restored some agency or some reflection of our own power. Mm. But it sounds like there's a risk to sort of over indexing on the mythological version that, that like, it, it, I mean, you just described it as a double-edged sword. It sounds like yeah. if you become too conscious of it, something you might interfere or something, something like, uh, out of resonance might happen. Is, is, totally. there, is there, can you, can you speak more to like what goes wrong when, when you, uh, when you learn this, like when you get too into your head into the story too deep? Totally. And I think, uh, James Hillman also talks about this hmm. a bit and in his practice. And it's something that I, have kind of borrowed from the uh, psychoanalysis world in my astrological practice, which is to kind of observe a myth as it's playing out in your life, but don't like overly attach too much to it because that's not all that is. That's not all we are. Mm-hmm. And that's also not all the myth itself is. It uh, We're often seeing these things and from a one-sided perspective or from one angle of the story that resonates with us most. But then even in written tradition, there will be like three different versions of the same story. So which one is your truth? Mm -hmm. So truth becomes murky. The timeline for ourselves becomes murky. And I would say that there's a risk of outsourcing anything about one's identity to anything else. Mm -hmm. And it's a risk that you come into with magic and all of these uh, divinatory mediums. You, you, you use the word truth for the first time in the conversation, and it occurs to me that at least in common parlance, myth and truth are often juxtaposed as right. op- as opposites or antonyms. At odds, yeah. <laughs> right? What do you think that 
where do you think that comes from? I mean, it almost makes it sound like people are in, in the culture that speaks that way are suspicious of myth. Like what does that, what, what does that feel like to you? You know, it just feels like, can I curse on this podcast? Yes, you can. Great. Okay. It just feels like post-enlightenment bullshit. It's mm-hmm. just like that scientific rationalism mm-hmm. that kind of even lost sight of itself at a certain point that I think tries to put rationalism as some singular objective truth when I don't think that exists anyway. If there is a truth, it's so overarching, it's so multifaceted, it's so beyond our comprehension. It's not that we can't see it in glimpses, but we can't assume some totality to it. That kind of sounds like truth is a myth in the sense that truth people use the word myth. It, yeah, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's also like they're the same, they're the same kind of thing, like a truth it's, it's, you know, they're very, it's very different language for describing reality, you, to use the word truth or to, or to uh, relate to myth, the, the, the way that's like coherent to cultures that, that use mythology. But, but the function is kind of similar, isn't it? It's like a story, a tr- the truth is a story about what's happening that is tractable to a person. And, you know, it, believing in the truth has the same sort of failure mode of over-indexing on the story as like taking a myth too seriously. Absolutely. And, but both also kind of necessitate this same like middle path, which Mm -hmm. is just gravitate towards whatever feels like, I don't know, like the warm central hearth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or like describes the situation in the way that lets you navigate it. It's a practical yes. definition of what works rather than a, like a, a metaphysical one or something. Exactly. And both truth and myth, I think, are kind of transient. You're, mm. you're leaning into these realms of like Mercury, Jupiter. So mm. they're not rooted to anything necessarily. Do you think that there is an important cultural function in reviving an explicitly mythological way of talking about life? And sharing that practice in order to address kind of the shortcomings of rationalistic, monolithic, universalistic explanation. Like, is it, is it important that, that we bring myth back into the world in a culture like that? Yeah, I think it's important, maybe not for the reasons we often see it wielded. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's important to bring myth back so that we can learn how to start engaging with the divine with our bodies and with our you kind of like non-rational minds a little bit more Mm -hmm. because that will connect to these things that you know make sense we are prone to trying to make sense of things in our experiences Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i think mythology allows you to kind of tap into something else and yeah more experiential more felt more tactile and that can be really helpful when we're in these sorts of heady planes Mm -hmm. Are there public aspects of your work that are concerned with this, with like sort of bringing bringing mythology back? Yeah, and also bringing like one's personal relationship to mythology back. Mm. The Orphic Journey offering I have is like really geared towards that. It's not necessarily about Orpheus, but it's mm-hmm. about, you know, how Orphism was this way of relating kind of animistically to the divine. I want to go back to your initial sort of definition of mythology uh, as being concerned with with the gods. 
Do you find that a useful frame for looking at uh, at various cultures and understanding the function of their storytelling? Like, is 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 are, are the gods in the, in the sense that you mean it? Are the gods like a a culturally relative relationship? It's kind of like a both and and also something else situation as uh-huh. always. It's like yes and no. Mm-hmm. But I think what's complicated is just the word God itself. Yeah. And the way that inviting that word is instantly going to bring up every single person's like slightly different idea of what that means. Unhelped by translation, like language, religious relationships to God and God forms. And so... Yeah, that's why I say the divine and not necessarily gods or God, because some cultural framework of relating to God in a singular or a plural way is like very uh, nuanced mm-hmm. and very complicated mm-hmm. and can maybe be like alienating to some people. Mm-hmm. So is there a way that using particular myths helps drop down out of that problem? Like, is that, is that a useful way of breaking out of whatever baggage somebody might have with the concept of God by sort of dropping down into one character? You know, maybe and maybe not. Like, maybe that would work for someone and maybe that would be, like, ultimately unhelpful for someone else. Is that, like, over-identification with any one thing outside of yourself and even within yourself dilemma? Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily think one must drop into a singular myth. Mm-hmm. But when you start to open yourself up to these maybe different like channels or ways of experiencing story in your life, mm-hmm. uh, you might find yourself pulled into a singular myth. And then you'll find that that myth connects to so many other different cultural lores and stories. Yeah. And you start to see how multifaceted it is and how not singular the experience is at all. And I think that's just as important as relating to any one thing that we might find. It's, it seems like a theme that's coming through is like whatever keeps you moving, sort yeah, of. Yeah, you got to keep moving. <laughs> what are some of the ways that you, in your practice, sort of facilitating relationships with spirit for others? What are, sort, what are some of the things that you see cause people to stop or get stuck? Yeah, it's, again, that over-identification thing. Like whenever someone feels really bound to something about their own story, they're going to maybe consciously or unconsciously entrap themselves in a dynamic that almost ensures that they're going to be kind of rotating around that, orbiting around that until something disrupts it. Mm-hmm. And it's a murky thing. I am informed a lot by Hellenistic tradition and astrology. And so fate and free will becomes a whole other topic. But I do feel like one of my callings as someone coming from that background is to also show people where they do have that little string where they can undo some of their own binds, mm. where they can get out mm. and they do have power to make some type of change. Is, is there like a fear or a resistance that you see a lot at that point of letting go of the comfort or familiarity of whatever the thing is that they're holding on to. Like I think about the way that religion functions in, you know, the Western sort of Christian shadow culture. Yeah. Like, like there are, and, 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 you know, Jewish people relate to the, if the Torah can be taken as a mythology, which I think it's 
pretty fair right. to do. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like there there is a uh, repetitiousness to the relationship with that story that can be circular instead of spiral, you know? Totally. And people can feel like it's very complete, that it's got, it's like the whole, it's like the hero's journey is over. And so they can just do the same journey again. And like your whole life can just be going around in this one like mythic circle. Like, totally. What, what, well, actually the way I want to ask the question is more like this. Like if that's working for someone, mm-hmm. Is there anything to be gained by keeping moving rather than staying in the same place? Or, or is it like, have you found that it just like the, the it feelings, it feeling like it works to stay in one place? Like, is it just a feeling? Yeah, I feel like, you know, I'm not the one to make the final decision on what works or doesn't work for anyone. Mm-hmm. I just find that often people come to me not because they are satisfied totally with something that's going on in their life, but because they are wanting to make some type of major change. It's an interesting role to be put in as an astrologer because I don't think that's every astrologer's position Uh to kind of catalyze something. But I often find myself in that role. And so often catalyzation does mean disruption to the circular flow of something. Mm -hmm. Um, It might not mean that you totally bypass getting out of something cyclical and uh, circular in a different way. But it does, and I don't believe in like motion as a linear thing. It's both linear and nonlinear. But if someone is attached to a story that they feel also repressed by, it's one of those things where it's like you can like lead someone to what might be helpful and supportive and assistive, but they're ultimately the person who has to make that leap. What relationship does the stories we tell about people who are gone have with mythology about people from long ago in faraway places? Totally. Well, I, in my own cosmology, I believe that whenever we talk about someone who has crossed over to the other side, we bring them into the moment, even if they're no longer here with us. And I think the same is true for uh, myths and for any story we, and for song too poetry it's like the moment something is brought into this very moment it comes alive in a different way and that's why I think it's very important to share stories of people who've crossed over so that yeah they can be alive again in some way 